Hey you, good morning, good morning. It is Monday the 26th of February 2024. Monday morning, yes. Hope you had a nice weekend, I'm sure you did. I had a, a nice weekend, a bit of everything for me. A bit of or and or, and also some live sport. Was at Salford yesterday at the Salford Community Stadium. It was freezing. Oh, it was freezing. But Salford overcame the mighty Castleford Tigers 26-22 in a bit of a thriller. So it was worth braving the cold. Although, after I finish the podcast this morning, I'll be ordering some thermal underwear for at least for the rest of February and for March. It's cold. It's cold over there. Anyway, yeah, good weekend. Let's do the papers to the front pages as usual. Today we'll begin with The Guardian. Headline, Sunak urged to speak out as Islamophobia row deepens. Going to talk about that in a moment. It's largely about Lee Anderson, former deputy chairman of the Conservative Party, Tory MP. He was suspended by the Conservatives, by the Parliamentary Party over the weekend. The whip has been suspended. Um, And he's being urged now, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, to speak out about Islamophobia. What did Anderson do? Well, Anderson suggested, or stated in fact, that the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, was being controlled by Islamists. And there was uproar. We'll talk more about it in a moment. There's also a horrible photograph on the front page of The Guardian of a lady in Rafa and she is in tears and is on her knees in front of a couple of body bags. It's awful. The heading accompanying the photograph is Gaza deaths set to pass 30,000 as Israel prepares Rafa assault. That's The Guardian. The I Tory party in the gutter over racism warns Warsi. So this is Baroness Warsi, former chairwoman of the Conservative Party. She said Muslims are being treated as electoral campaign fodder and that racism is being tolerated. The current Deputy Prime Minister, Oliver Dowden, Conservative MP of course, um, refused when doing the rounds of the media yesterday morning refused to refer to Lee Anderson's comments as racist. So that's the I paper. You see, identity politics reigns supreme again, dear listener. So on the one hand, you have notable Muslim, uh, British Muslims, I should say, claiming that the Tory party is racist and that racism and Islamophobia is running riot in politics, you see. And on the other side, you have... Uh, British Jews, prominent British Jews, let's not call them Jews, let's say Zionists, right? And they're saying that anti-Semitism is destroying the fabric of British society. Something needs to be done about it. You see, identity politics, identity politics. The Daily Telegraph, Red Wall Revolt over Anderson sacking. So the Telegraph is running a story alleging that by sacking or suspending Lee Anderson, that Rishi Sunak is in reality scoring a bit of an own goal. The Red Wall refers to an area in the north of England where Labour has been successful traditionally, 
point where the Conservatives won a lot of seats in 2019. And those seats are in jeopardy now, um, according to The Telegraph, because those people who changed their allegiance from Labour to vote Tory in 2019, um, they did so because immigration was a big deal back then, it's a big deal now, and those voters may have a lot of sympathy for Lee Anderson, so maybe an own goal by Sunak. We'll talk about it in a moment. Metro headline TV's Kate Cott in Spike Epidemic. This is about the Times radio political editor Kate McCann, used to work for Sky News for years. She has written over the weekend about suffering the, well, experiencing having her drink spike. She's written about it. Daily Mail, Generation Sick Note. We will focus on that for a few minutes in a minute. In a minute? A few minutes in a minute. Uh, This is about young people blaming mental health problems for either not having a job or absenteeism from their job. The Resolution Foundation, uh, which is a think tank, has basically run a study on absenteeism, on ill, ill health amongst the young and unemployment. So we'll talk about that as well. The Times cleverly warns of AI fakes threat to election is the front page of The Times. And I I will focus on this as well in a few minutes. This is the Home Secretary, James Cleverly, who's going to be meeting with the big social media companies. He's warning that deep fakes pose a serious threat to UK democracy and to elections being held around the world this year. Okie doke. Number of newspapers I must also mention, otherwise I'll be accused of... What would I be accused of? I'm not sure. As a Manchester United supporter, um, I'd be accused of, I don't know, I don't know, unsportsmanlike behaviour? I doubt it. Uh, Liverpool beat Chelsea in extra time yesterday to secure the first trophy of the season, the League Cup. It was nil-nil, then deep into extra time, the second half of extra time, I think, Liverpool scored a goal, their captain scored it, Virgil van Dijk, that's right. So Liverpool won the first trophy of the season yesterday and a photograph of the manager and some of the players can be found on many of today's front pages too. The Sun, Prem Stars XL Bully Bodyguard. And this is about the Arsenal goalkeeper David Rea, who, according to The Sun, has an XL bully dog to guard him, the band breed. The paper says he's hired experts to train the dog, presumably so that it doesn't kill the nanny or or the maid or the chef or any of the other hangers-on. I'm sure the Arsenal goalkeeper has. Premier League footballers have a lot of hangers-on. So he's got an XL bully and that's going to guard him. The Daily Express, damning claims of 250,000 extra migrants a year under Labour. The Express says, damning claims uh, by the Henry Jackson Society, another think tank, a conservative think tank, it must be said, that there could be an increase in immigration under a Labour government. Under the Tory government, net migration for the year up to June 2023, was 672,000, which is close to a record high level. Yes, 
So in a single 12-month period, 672, the population of this island um, increased by 672,000 because the net migration figure is where you subtract those who leave, the number of those who leave from the number of those who come in. 672,000, Jesus Christ. Like It's like two large cities, isn't it? just been added to the population of the UK at a time when public services are being cut. It's wonderful. But don't speak about it because you're, you're a little Englander or you're a xenophobe or a bigot. Don't say anything about it. Uh, the Financial Times global house price downturn shows signs of reversal as rate cut hopes rise. That's fairly self-explanatory. Uh, that's the Financial Times Daily Star. Wet, wet, wet is the headline. No, it is not about Marty Pello and love is all around you. Um, the May or the Star even says that rain, rain on Thursday, which will be the 29th of February, leap year day, this Thursday, rain will be so heavy it will make it the wettest February in 258 years. That's the Daily Star who thinks that's the most important story. Um, to run on the front page on a Monday. Those were the front pages. Now, let's have a little meander uh, through the papers, the inside of the papers today. Let's start with Sunak facing red wall backlash over Anderson sacking. So this is the firebrand, big mouth Lee Anderson, known as 30P Lee. He's um, been, been presenting news programmes for, for GB News. He claimed Islamists have got control of Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London. So he's been suspended by the party. But the Deputy Prime Minister, Oliver Dowden, who did the rounds of the media yesterday, as I've already said, refused to say the comments were racist and left the door open for Anderson's return. So this is identity politics. I'm going to be very brief here because I don't want to bore you. Some years ago, the elite, the establishment, the hidden hand, whatever you think, however we refer to them, you know, the shadowy figures controlling the agendas that we talk about all the time, that we try to figure out. Well, the architects of these agendas or the current guardians of the agendas, because the agendas have been around for decades, longer than decades, but the current guardians, their biggest fear, about 15 years ago, their biggest fear was apathy, was that people were basically turning away from politics and that people were understanding that democracy is a sham, that it is an illusion, okay? That whatever you vote for, no matter who or what you vote for, you get the same, you get the same outcome. The agendas proceed anyway. People get poorer a tiny percentage of people get wealthier, and that's how it is. People cottoned on to it. That, that voting for politicians is a folly. It's ridiculous. So out of this came populism and identity politics. This is what they gave us. They gave us characters like Donald Trump to re-energise, to re... Um, what's the word you would use there now? To re-engage people, to re-engage them with public life, to convince them again that their destiny really is in their own hands. Look, you've got Lee Anderson standing up for you. Look, look at Lee Anderson standing up to Sadiq Khan. Now, Sadiq Khan is about as odious a politician as you could ever hope to 
to encounter in your life the mayor of London. He's horrible, right? For any number of reasons, so I'm not in any way supportive of Sadiq Khan or, or, or anybody else. But the idea that there's any the, the the idea that Lee Anderson, you know, is going to save you or deliver you from the likes of Sadiq Khan is an absolute nonsense. It's it's identity politics. That's what the culture wars are all about, you know, to to distract people from the real problems from the real agendas and what what this is all really about and where it's going and to get people on social media screaming at one another you know about islamophobia and about anti-semitism that's what's going on here the re-engagement of the electorate convincing them once again that the answer to all of their problems lies in populists like lee anderson and others so that's pretty much where it is there's little more i can say that i haven't said before about this Massive row, it's going to run all week long. You know, you have Nigel Farage and Richard Tice from Reform UK coming out, backing Anderson, saying Lee's comments reflect the concerns of millions of Britons. That's just bollocks as well. What concerns? You know, making populist statements and clickbait statements like Sadiq Khan is controlled by Islamists. It's just nonsense. So we'll, we'll leave that aspect of it. We'll come back to it in a moment. This, this notion of anti-Semitism. Thousands of people protested on London Bridge over the weekend yesterday. Um, how would you refer to these people? The media refers to them as pro-Palestinian. Many of these people, when you see them on videos on BitChute and Rumble, they claim that they're pro-peace. And there's a lot of inflammatory stuff on social media today about, you know... Britain being taken over by Muslims and all this bollocks because thousands of people yet again took to the streets to protest what is happening in Gaza. And today, we've already spoken about it, more than 30,000 people have been slaughtered now in Gaza. And more than 15,000 of them are children. You know, how dare anybody take to the streets to demonstrate to their government that they're not going to tolerate it anymore, tolerate the British government basically enabling the Israeli government to commit genocide in Gaza, which is what the British government does. It's what the American government does. It's why when I've sparred with my old pal Kevin Barrett over the years about the state of Israel, I say, and I say it here today, what is worse, the Israeli government or the governments that handed the weapons and the money to do what it does in Gaza? So, yeah, so that's where, that, that, that's how it's been framed now today. Islamophobia by The Guardian and by Labour supporters. It's anti-Semitism coming from the other side of the divide, getting more and more inflammatory, the language, and people engaging with it, which is exactly what the system wants. It doesn't want apathy, it wants people to engage with it. In The Times, it was the front page story, James cleverly deep fakes pose perfect threat to next election. See, they're terrified of the genuine independent media. As small as it is, I mean, the genuine alternative independent media is a tiny, tiny, tiny thing. You're talking about no more than a dozen, maybe, you know, um, content creators, not even a dozen, that will, will explore some of the themes that we talk about on the Richie Allen show. You know, that there is no democracy, that, that there, you, you know, right and left, two cheeks of the same arse, it doesn't matter. Very few, 
you know, very, very few getting into that and approaching the whole Great Reset agenda, the Agenda 2030. From that point of view, that voting and participating in elections, particularly general elections, is a waste of your time because the House always wins. So thereafter, I think the genuinely independent media, because while we've seen the rise of a lot of mainstream light um, or mainstream alternative media since the whole COVID thing, threatening to kind of drown out what I would consider to be the, the, as I said, the genuine bona fide independent media. They haven't really drowned us out, really. They haven't. Our listening numbers and podcast download numbers continue to increase week in, week out. And I think they're terrified of it. And I think this is the beginning, really, of coming after the genuinely independent media. So they're talking about AI deep fakes and how, you know, malicious states and criminals might use these deep fakes and these AI technologies to hijack general elections, not just here in the UK, but also overseas. So James Cleverly is the Home Secretary and he's going to be meeting Google, Google even Meta, Apple, YouTube and other major tech companies in San Francisco to tell them to take collective action to protect democracy. Now here's the thing. You see, he's warning that malign actors like like Russia and Iran might use deep fakes to try and influence the election. But he's also going to be talking to them about what they can do about taking down what he considers to be harmful content at the speed of light. And harmful content might be the Richie Allen show interviewing somebody or it might be some other genuinely independent free speech platform. Where, where another platform might be talking about somebody who might have a bit of information about vaccines or maybe a bit of information about governments or, or wars or whatever. And that's what it's really all about. You know, he's going to say these people can upload their lies and their fake videos in seconds. What are you going to do about it? Um, and he's, he's expected to, to tell them, you know, bluntly, that if they don't get their house in order they can expect to be fined enormous sums of money. So that's um, what the story is really about. They're saying that deep fake audios imitating Keir Starmer, swearing at his staff and Sadiq Khan disrespecting Remembrance Sunday were generated and shared widely last year and that this is terrifying for democracy. So that's in the times. They're really, really coming after our ability to openly discuss whatever it is we want to discuss online. That's where they're going next. Um, the Guardian, UK public services will buckle under planned spending cuts, economists warn. You might be hearing Silla Black say, surprise, surprise. But public services are absolutely, have been and were completely decimated in the last 13 years. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Again, if you've been with me for years, you'll know where I'm coming from. If you're new to me, you might imagine that I favour one side or the other. I do not. It was the same under Blair and Brown. What happened when Cameron came in with Nick Clegg, the Lib Dems, the coalition government, they continued on Blair and Brown's privatisation agenda while at the same time cutting public services. You know, foisting austerity on people. So surprise, surprise, economists are saying, look, 
the level of public sector spending pencilled in for the next parliament would mean cuts equivalent to those undertaken by the coalition government between 2010 and 2015. Again, surprise, surprise. No, nothing new here. While the country grows by uh, 672,000 people per year, that's net immigration, they're going to continue to cut public services, slash them, meaning that getting access to things you need in your community is going to become even more difficult. What they're doing, I think, is creating a perfect storm for some sort of civil war, but not in the way that you might imagine it. But they're, they're creating the conditions for riots. I think we'll see intercity riots in the next couple of years. We'll see very serious rioting, I think. You know, we've seen it over the years. We had, of course, the famous Salford riots, Birmingham. I think they're creating those conditions because, because that's the problem, reaction, solution thing. When they do, when people, are, when people eventually do take to the streets because they've had enough, um, because of the problem created by the system, I think that's when you'll see an even greater crackdown then on what people can do, how they can move around um, we'll see all all manner of legislation come in then at that stage. So yeah, I, I see that. The Resolution Foundation and other... So you have Conservative and you have left-wing think tanks saying that public service cuts are an absolute guarantee and this is going to be hugely problematic for people in the next Parliament. They're driving people to, to take to the streets and, and ironically, that's exactly what they want. No doubt about that because they'll have the, the, the ready-made solution. You know, arming the police, maybe, maybe not. Drafting in the army or the reserve army, the territorial army, you, you, you just don't know. But that's inside the Guardian today. Public service cuts on the way and they will buckle. Public services will buckle. Uh, the Mail, Generation Sick Note. Young people are increasingly blaming their mental health for being out of work, but critics accuse them of snowflakery. It isn't snowflakery. We know what they've done to kids in the last 10 to 15 years. We know what it has meant for their mental health being basically locked into social media on their smartphones for most of the day and most of the evening. We know. Uh, the Mail says uh, the number of 18 to 24-year-olds who are economically inactive due to health issues has more than doubled in the past 10 years, going from 93,000 to 190,000. Two-thirds report suffering poor mental health and four in ten listed as the main reason for not working. Uh, the Resolution Foundation study revealed a third of young people experienced symptoms of mental illness such as depression, anxiety or bipolar disorder in 2021 to 2022, up from a quarter at the turn of the millennium. So 1999, it was a quarter of young people. Now it's a third. Experts say the worrying trend is damaging the economy, with 5% of young adults out of work due to sickness, heaping strain on the benefit system and the NHS. The shift means people in their early 20s are now more likely to be unemployed due to ill health than those in their early 40s. The Mail says that critics are blaming a cultural drive to medicalise everyday life and create a generation of snowflakes. So there's a tiny bit of truth in that. But they're not snowflakes. Yes, they have medicalised medicalized everyday life. 
And that's something I was speaking about on the Richie Allen show a decade ago. I used to talk about it, that they were medicating. What did I say? They were medicating. What, what did I, how did I say it? They were medicating life experiences. That's what I said. I said they were, they were diagnosing life experiences and providing medicine for them. You know, all the things we go through in life, worry, anxiety, bereavement, you know, grief, everything, relationship breakups, that they were basically providing a medical plan for all of these things and medication and prescription drugs and all of that. So there is some truth in it. But the snowflakery thing, look, they drove in the mid-2000s. Young, young kids, the, the mid-2000s was when young kids began to have smartphones and when they began to live their lives on social media, you know, and they were kind of moving away from physical relationships. Not saying they weren't having physical relationships, they were still going to school, they were still meeting with people, but they were spending less and less of their free time in the physical presence of other human beings and going online and all the problems that came with that. So I have a lot of sympathy for for people in their 20s now, particularly after what went on in the last three years. I have a lot of sympathy for them. Again, it's part of the agendas we talk about on the Richie Allen show. It's terrible. It really is. And the implications of it are pretty horrifying for the next 10, 15, 20 years. So that's inside the Daily Mail if you want to read that uh, today. Um, Telegraph has an interesting one about the Church of England. Church of England tells parishes to set up race action plan put forward by pro Black Lives Matter Bishop. The Church of England has told all of its parishes, all of them, to come up with a race action plan after a pro Black Lives Matter Bishop said the Church should embrace being woke. Now the General Synod, the Church's legislative body passed a motion yesterday which said it should encourage parishes and deaneries to develop local action plans to address issues of racial injustice. This is bollocks. The Right Reverend Rose Hudson Wilkin, the Right Reverend Rose Hudson Wilkin, who is the Bishop of Dover, ironically, said the Church needed to further embed racial justice and should not be afraid of being called woke. Uh, this woman said, those who are frightened by the authenticity of this movement want to scare us into thinking that being woke is a sin created by people on the left. She led prayers at the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, of course she did, and has been an outspoken supporter of Black Lives Matter. She called on the church to expand the number of bishops, cathedral deans and other senior churchmen who are from ethnic minorities. Lovely. The very Reverend Rogers Govender, the Dean of Manchester, told Synod that the church's failure to do so before now was a pernicious sin. And wait for it. No, no member stood up to make speeches opposing this motion, by the way. Nobody stood up to oppose it. It passed by 364 votes in favour of to zero against and then and this made me laugh this morning and you need a laugh on a Monday the Archbishop of York the most reverend Stephen Cottrell spoke animatedly as he said the church has not been good enough on diversity and inclusion and that racism and discrimination rupture our body and then he said may the Lord have mercy on us 
We are a bunch of racist feckers. May the Lord have mercy on our souls. The, Re- the Reverend Stephen Cottrell. Church needs to do more on diversity and inclusion. Mm. Maybe not. So those, um, believe it or not, were the best or the most interesting stories inside the papers today. Uh, the BBC News website, like a lot of the news websites, full of full of the culture wars, you know, and identity politics. Anti-Semitism is everywhere. Islamophobia is everywhere. Not, non, neither. Neither are everywhere. The UK is not Islamophobic. The UK is not anti-Semitic. It isn't. You know, and I know that that is not the case, but it is a it it is a, a tool. These accusations are part of a wider agenda to drive more and more division amongst people and to distract people from what is really going on and to why uh, the things we talk about, the, the, the news we report on, why it's really happening, who it really benefits and where it's taking us in the next 5 to 10 to 15 years. You know, that's what they don't want people to understand and to know. So they use populism and identity politics to keep people really in the dark. And I think you know that as well as I do. And that's it for the papers. Then do join me at uh, four o'clock for the Richie Allen show. I'm going to be talking to um, a guest who hasn't been on the show for a couple of years or, or more. Nick Collerstrom, the author of Terror on the Tube, which is an excellent book about the 7th of July bombings. But it's not. Uh, we're not going to be talking about the 7th of July 2005. We're going to be talking about the Manchester Arena bombing um, from May 2017. Nick Collerstrom is an academic and a writer, has been um, witnessing in, in, in the flesh. He's been at the, the trial of Richard D. Hall, who's a notorious, I'd say a truther, I suppose, um, who's made a number of films over the years about various terrorist attacks. And uh, he's fallen foul of the law because he's been sued, hasn't he, by a father and daughter because of claims he made about them being crisis actors and stuff. So Nick has got an interesting take on it and he's asked me, can he come on? He's invited himself on and I've said, of course, no problem. Um, that's what I do. It's what the Richie Allen Show does. We talk about everything and anything. So Nick will be on. It's been a long time. He's a nice fellow, Nick Collerstrom. Um, whatever people might think about him and his views about other aspects and areas of history, but he'll be on today. So it's going to be interesting. So join me at four o'clock. In the meantime, have a really good Monday. Have a good Monday. It's uh, going to be largely dry for most of us here in the UK today, but maybe a little bit chilly. From the BBG until 4pm. Bye now.